Good morning, and God's grace is amazing. It offers forgiveness, restoration, hope, new life, a right relationship with God, and for everyone, for everyone, no matter where you are and who you are. And the story this morning about the woman at the well, it centers on God's grace. It goes right to the heart of it. Let's look at that and see where we're headed this morning. We're going to talk about his amazing grace. About Jesus, the Savior of the world. It's living water. And then because each believer has an opportunity to have God's grace be encountered by the Savior and be given that living water, there's a response as a true worshiper. What does it mean to be a true worshiper? God seeks after true worshipers. So let's go to the passage this morning. Let's go right to it. How many of you all know of this story of the woman at the well? Good group. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, he said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. I need this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't. When when you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you know now is not your husband. She admitted, what you have said here is quite true. She has met the Savior of the world, the Messiah, and God's grace was poured out on her. Now that you've heard this story, I hope you've gathered it all in. I want to just put some context to hear about God's grace. I want to move back a chapter. Let's go back a chapter to John chapter 3. There was an esteemed rabbi, wealthy, well thought of. He came to Jesus at night and asked the question, what must I do to have eternal life? A man, a man with a name, Nicodemus, religious man, moral man, influential man. But yet the woman at the well, a woman of minor significance, Unnamed woman, Samaritan woman, 
despised by the Jews. The immoral path she is on is highlighted here in chapter four. Five husbands and living with the sixth. But here's what we know. Nicodemus, the influential man, is in need of God's grace. The Samaritan woman in need of God's grace. No one is above the need of grace and no one is below the reach of grace. Each person, each of you here is in need of God's grace today. Come on. That is if you desire a right relationship with God. So here's a choice to be made. Grace is not out of anyone's reach. And let's talk some about that grace before we get back to the story. What is that grace? What is that gospel? But it's very clear right here in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. I brought a friend with me. He's, I think he's in my throat. <clears throat> Come on. <laughs> it said, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. This is Apostle Paul talking. Which you received on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. By this gospel, you have living water. By this gospel, you have eternal life. By this gospel, you have a second chance. By this gospel, you have hope. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as the first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to save us and to the twelve. Man, God's gospel of grace. No matter your past, I want to tell everybody here, whether you're a guest or you've been claiming a Christian for 20, 30 years, God will save you, restore you, and use you based on Jesus' gospel of grace. His death and burial and resurrection is God's gift to humanity. His death, burial, and resurrection offers us forgiveness and hope and meaningful life. God's grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved men and women like you and me. Who had the opportunity for God to step in and give them a second chance and offer them grace and plant them down with a fresh start and a new hope? I hope it's all of you. It was God's grace that came straight head on like a locomotive towards me. And I can't look back, but we're just Gratitude and joy. So let's go back to the story. You ready to head back? But I, before we got there, I just wanted to tell you how much. Here's a woman at the well. Had no idea the Savior was going to be there. Matter of fact, most likely didn't care about a Savior when she went to that well. So many other things on her mind. But she met the Savior of the world and her life changed that day. It can change for you. Men, especially men. Oh, change? Really? He can change your life. And he wants to change your life. So the story goes that Jesus went through Samaria. He said, must needs go through Samaria. I've got to go through Samaria. 
even though it could be dangerous, they, you know, they had the cultural indifference. Uh, the Jews despised the Samaritans and vice versa. The Samaritans had married into non-Jews. They were considered half-breeds. A lot went on there. But Jesus knew he had an appointment with this woman. He knew. How did he know? He's the divine son of God. He knew that morning where he was going. He knew she would be there. But following that six-hour trip on foot, arriving at noon, Jesus got there. He was tired and thirsty. That shows you his full humanity, doesn't it? Son of God, fully man, fully God. And here at Grace World Church Waldorf, we want to say this to you. When you're introduced to Jesus here, you're introduced to the Son of God that's all God, fully God, and on the other side, fully man. That's who you're being introduced to, who can take away our sins and make us right with God. That's grace. That's grace. Now, here's the woman at the well. She's, well, she arrived around noon. She wasn't looking for a chance, second chance. You know, the day I got my second chance, I wasn't looking for it at all. I was looking forward to getting home. But the Lord called me out about an hour before it was time to go home. Wasn't looking at all. Some of you might not be looking at all. You might came to see a friend, see what's going on. My spouse wanted me to come, whatever it is. But God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is convicting you now. And for the presence of Almighty God to come in your life and change you, give you right standing with him, give you a new hope and a new meaningful life. She came around noon. You know, the women back then, <clears throat> they came early in the morning. That was a chore. They got it over with. Hot. But now she comes at noon. Why? She didn't want to be noticed. She was ridiculed, somewhat despised, talked about, gossiped about. Y'all don't know anything about gossip, I'm sure. <laughs> and she certainly, once again, wasn't expecting the Savior to be at the well. She just wasn't. She was on with her work. But there Jesus was. Here you are sometimes. He initiated conversation, asking her for a drink. She said, wait a minute. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. What are you? And, and you're a man. Men didn't approach women in that culture. Who, why are you asking me? And Jesus told her, basically, you must not know who I am. And guess what? She was talking to the one who doesn't discriminate on any level. And here's what I want to invite my believers to remember. Believers, we don't discriminate with anyone on any level. On no level. Then he told her, whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again. He was, he, was, he was speaking to her the temporal things, some of the things you and I look for, things that's going to make our home happy, what next event, what next thing. The Lord's always tapping me on the shoulder and says, Arthur, that isn't your focus. That isn't your aim. Bring it back. It's about what Christ has done for me, what how he wants me to react to others and respond and to love my neighbor. He says, this water I give, you'll never thirst again. He was talking about eternal life. 
She said, give me some of that water. I don't want to come back here anymore. See, every, everyone needs water, right? I need a glass right now. You notice I got two up here. Everyone needs water, hydration. The earth, 70% water. Bodies full, 60% water. Some of our vegetation and, and fruit and growing and all is through irrigation and water. Our economy is based on a long ways of water. Boats, uh, amusement parks, recreation, all that on water. Landscape. Everyone needs water. Jesus was at the right spot. Water is life. But he's also saying everyone needs salvation. Everyone needs salvation. And it comes only by the Savior of the world. And we're going to get to that. We're going to dig into that here in a minute when we talk about true worshipers. We're going to dig into that. Jesus listened. He initiated. He listened. And then he sought after her main need, your and my main need. Salvation, being right with God, a new hope, a new life, a new beginning. See, with this Savior, for Jesus, forgiveness, hope, all that comes with it. You don't have to question it anymore. You don't have to be awake at night about what's your right standing. You don't have to be awake uh, uh, thinking about my guilt, my past. All that's eradicated, left behind. New start, fresh start, new hope, new grace. So think about this. Let's, I'm going to move on into what, what would be our response then, believers? Some of you maybe said, well, hold on now. I have, I'm not with you yet. And I understand that totally. Because, you know, I told you the day that he spoke to me, it took me a year before I allowed him to speak to me. And this was a young man that, uh, that knew what the Bible was saying and still took me a year. But this might be the day that God's first is speaking to some of you that's saying that convicting you that I've got to figure this out. I've got to get my ducks in a row because that's what we all do, right? What's it going to cost me? Some of you have been struggling with that up until now. You might as well let go. You might as well go. He's coming after you. The hounds of heaven are coming after you. You won't be any better off without it. You've seen misery before. God's speaking to you. You might as well let go today. So what I want to do here is I want to see, because the Bible, right after the woman at the well, this, is, this, this little section here talks about true worshipers. And next week, what you're going to hear in the next sermon is about our second response is going out and telling others. Because, you know, she went and told. And a Samaritan town came and started following after Christ. You're going to hear more about that next week. But I want to talk today about now that we know about the gospel of grace, we've met the Savior, what it means to be a true worshiper. You ready? Who in here wants to be a true worshiper? Okay, get me excited. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that this place is where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. 
You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers, here we go, will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worships, worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Are true worshipers at Grace Church, Waldorf? Question for us to ask, isn't it? Are you the kind of worshiper that Father seeks? Now I'm talking to believers, church people that have been at church somewhere else, uniting with us now as new members. Are you the kind of worshipers the Father seeks? We're going to talk about what that looks like. But wouldn't you think that after meeting the Savior, grace poured out on us, Holy Spirit residing in us, that's all we would want to do? Our lives, our families, our communities depend on it. We will be transformed as we learn to worship in spirit and in truth. So I'm going to just spend a couple minutes here talking about truth. Most of you know, absolute truth comes from God alone. So I got some agreement on that? Yes. Two arch enemies of truth are relativism and pluralism. There's more, but those are two arch enemies of truth. Relativism says there are no absolutes. It just depends on who you are. God may be for you, but not for me. And it really doesn't have any ramifications to it. You choose yours, I choose mine, and we're all in the same boat. Pluralism contends that two more religions can still have the same outcome, are equally valid. And then here's the truth, too. Research is telling us church members, Christians, churchgoers, believe there's only more, I mean, more than one way to heaven. Do you buy into that? No. See, logically, just think about it. How can an idea get you to heaven more than a resurrected Christ can? My idea can get me to heaven? Oh, man, some of my ideas. <laughs> Come on now. Yet Jesus is clear. He says, I am the way, the what? The what? The truth. I heard it loud and clear the first time. I'll just give you another chance. John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Basically, he says, there's no other answer. And I was, <clears throat> Dennis opened up by saying this is a Bible-believing church. That's your first cue that this church believes and has an anchor in the truth. That's the desire. Because we don't do it because we want to be proud, arrogant, or have it right. We want to do it because there is one true God of Scripture that had a son who died on the cross and resurrected on the third day and offers eternal life. And that's the only way you can have it. We don't want to be right. But God has it right, doesn't he? So let's get back to some of the 
text here, because you all see I'm just going. In verse 21, Jesus tells the Samaritan woman, where does not matter? He says it's whether on this mountain in Jerusalem, there's a day coming where the where doesn't matter anymore. The where doesn't matter. And it's not ritual. It's not what you did as a child. It's not songs. It's not preferences. It's, about, it's not about time. It's not about music. It's about spirit and truth. So where you are, it does matter if you have a biblical worldview. You can't get away from that and not be in truth. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Do you test your life against Scripture? Do you test your life against Scripture? What the Bible says about you and God? True worshipers relish the Scripture. It's not second, third on the list. It's number one. They agree with Scripture. They're not looking ways to find Scripture to get them where they want to go. They find Scripture so they can go where they need to get. So I know a couple months ago I stood up here and I said we have to agree with God. So I'm going to come back just very briefly here. We have to agree with Scripture, which is agreeing with God. Creation. Salvation. Son of God, being fully God, fully man, who died, buried, rose on the third day according to the Scripture. We need to agree with the Scripture on human sexuality. We need to agree with Scripture on the role of the church. His coming again in a new heaven and new earth. That's the truth. That's worshiping in truth. True worshipers, true worshipers will find the best in the church, the best in their church leaders, and the best in each one of you as they worship with joy and with purpose. And then they're obedient to God's scripture. Here's what it says here. <clears throat> Jesus was having that little tay-to-tay with Pilate. And after that mock trial and his crucifixion was coming, and he asked me if he was a king. He said, you said that. And then finally Jesus said this. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. And look what it says here, church. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. That's a big claim for obedience right there, isn't it? A response should be true worshipers. We're outlining what that looks like. Right to the point of agreeing with Scripture, and then obedience comes along, doesn't it? Because, you know, I've been in some uh, uh, small group classes where people know the Scripture far better than I do, but possibly their obedience isn't where their knowledge. You know that can happen, right? Let it not be you. So at this point, I'm not going to give you a list of uh, what you need to do, how you need to change your life not going there, or here's a list of what you need to be involved in in the church. Not doing that. But see, I would be concerned, though, if I didn't feel Jesus prodding me to be involved strongly in kingdom work. 
desiring me to be engaged in it as an heir to all things, a son of God who's heavenward bound. If that's the case, Jesus wants all of you and you want all of him. See, true worship is on the inside of kingdom work. It's in the center, not on the outside looking in. God, the Father, who offered grace, salvation, is now so I'm offering another thing to you. I'm offering you to stand beside me in this name of kingdom work, be people bringing the gospel to Southern Maryland, Charles County, and around the world. Do you want in? Ask yourself. But see, he's been seeking worship forever. Let's go forever. Let's go back to Second Chronicles. The Israelites, they were in some rebellion. They were getting Babylon in and out. And here's what he said back then, 500 years before Christ, five, 600. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God's looking for you. He wants you. He desires you. He desires men and women that are fully committed to him. Don't you want to be on that team? And then true worship, lastly, true worship, they're, they're guided by the Holy Spirit. To be on, the, be on the level, even to think about, to be on the level or close to it with God Almighty, you know who we are, right? It requires a new heart, right? It's going to require the Holy Spirit living inside, correct? And if I preached or anyone in here preached on the roles of the Holy Spirit, you would never exhaust it. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's not an add-on. It's inexhaustible. Here's what John, here's what John said about Jesus it there. If everything were written down, I suppose even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And see, the same could all be said about the Holy Spirit. And he was with Jesus. The incomparable partner of Christ, the Holy Spirit, was with him. And you say, well, I don't know about that. Well, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit was on the Son of God. So how great it is to have that same Spirit on you. But that's what it's going to take for obedience. I know I can't do it. I tried. But you have the Holy Spirit who cannot be spoken about enough. There are not enough books to be written on him in the whole world. He convicts us. He teaches us. He leads us. He comforts us. He guides us. He encourages us. And we have access to that. So everybody in this room today, today, has met the Savior of the world. You heard it through the scripture today. Some of you met the Savior of the world 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. All of us now know what it means for God's grace to come upon you. Second chances, your past gone, no more guilt, meaningful life, right standing with God. 
fullness of God's grace, incomparable partner of Jesus living on the inside of you. We are set up to be true worshipers. The only way we can't be true worshipers if we decide to get in the middle of that and once again lead our own Christian life without the power of the Spirit and the power of the Scripture. Men, let go. Let go today. It's coming your way. And by the way, if it isn't coming your way, you know what that means. God's let you go. Nobody wants that, do they? You know, I was right. I remember this is 20, 25 years ago. I said, Lord, why are you always asking me to do something? I, I just have to tell you the truth. That's the key word. In the truck alone, I said, Lord, why are you always asking me to do something? Could you ever just leave me alone? I don't think I got to them steps out there. And I said, I've changed my mind. Don't do that. I know what I was like when you did leave me, when I left myself alone. So men, it's coming. Let go today before God lets go of you. But he's going to offer you as many chances if you turn to him. So it's never too late. Don't let me say that either. What can keep us then? True worshipers are telling people here and around this area of God's amazing grace and what he's doing for you. We are missing nothing. We have it all. We have his word. We have his power, the spirit, and we have your changed life. And then he continually looks for those, those hearts that are fully committed to them. Don't some of you want to see that? That God looks down and says, totally pleased, thou good and faithful servant. Let's move forward for the kingdom's sake. But sometimes we come and we're at church and we get this notion, especially that it's a grind, that it's a to-do list. It's one more thing. It's, why did I have to come here when he was preaching? Because I want to escape all that. I don't need another thing to do because we don't want to give anything up. I met a young man in a, in a county park. No, it was just last Monday. It hadn't been a week. Freshman at St. Mary's College. Moved down here from Rockville, full of joy and hope of starting a new, um, getting away from home and starting a new life. Now, we didn't talk about Christ. It was about, uh, they, he was at a public meeting that we offered. But it brought my mind back to the fall days of starting school and college days and all the days of promise and hope. And then my mind started stretching more because I knew, then all of a sudden it hit that there's a gentleman I know that's a senior at the Naval Academy this year. And then my mind started thinking about the Naval Academy honor code. Truth, all those things. But they said some years ago that that code was rigorous and tough. Maybe even up to expulsion. So everything there 
Everything there had a negative perspective. And people were doing it because they didn't want to get in trouble. And they said, we have to change this. And they changed it. And there's what their words are. Do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. I'm not saying that, but I want you to know that the church should, is not our place where it's taking us down. The church is what's lifting you up. And when you come here, it's not like any other, not an honor code, but it's by a changed heart and a changed life and a love for Scripture and a love for Christ that will drive you to him. When a man or woman's born again, they're driven to the word and to the things of God and to the church. The woman at the well, you're going to hear, she went out and said, you ought to come see this man. He knew everything about me. That began to be her life's call. I believe here at Grace Church Waldorf, God's calling men and women no longer to attend, just attend the church, but to invest their lives for what's happened to them in a response and for what God can do in Waldorf and around the world. Are you up to it? Don't you want God to be looking around, identifying those who love him with all their heart? I was with two women yesterday talking about things of Scripture, and they said they've come here, and they believe this is a Bible place. And they said when they got saved and turned, they didn't have a choice, a choice but to seek the things of God. And you could see the joy in their soul and in their spirit. And I was blessed by it. God can give all of us the joy and a blessing from now through all eternity. The choice is yours. Come to Christ. Come to be a true worshiper. Come to love others. Your life will never be the same. Pray with me. Father, thank you now. Thank you for this place called a local church that unites with the church around the world for your sake. Not our sake, not our programs, not our times, not our traditions, but for your sake and your sake alone. Father, that men and women meet the Savior, that men and women, boys and girls, understand your grace and what it means for them. They understand truth. They've been given all the absolutes that God you've handed down to us for our, for our good. May we relish in scripture and may we find joy in our church, never thinking there's another way but to be heavily invested in the church of the king. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for everyone here. Bless them. And we thank you for the power of the gospel. Christ died according to the scriptures buried and rose on the third day on the, according to the scriptures so that we might live. And it's in a strong and saving name I pray this. Amen.